Hello, and welcome to Not Even Once. I'm Seth, and I've seen Once Once. I'm Bob, and I've seen Once Twice. Last time on Once Upon a Time was The Price of Gold. We met Cinderella as Ashley, a pregnant maid. She finally gave birth after 28 years. Eight years. And we find out that to get into the ball as Cinderella, she made a deal instead with uh, Rumpelstiltskin instead of the fairy godmother. Mm-hmm. The rest of the episode was about Mr. Gold and the open-ended deals he loves to make. <laughs> I, I, the, uh, coming this summer from Bloomhouse Horror, it's Cinderella, but it's about her being pregnant for 28 years. God. It's horrifying. Absolutely horrid. Uh, the episode ends with Emma making a deal, offering a favor to Mr. Gold in exchange for allowing Ashley to keep her baby. A big ominous favor that's just, you know, the sort of Damocles hanging over Emma's head for who knows how long. Yeah, he'll decide at some point whatever it is. Oh, he will. And then finally, the ending scene we find out that Graham is having some illicit relations with Regina. Some very illicit. Uh, His socks were under the bed. They were there and they were missing. So this episode is called That Still Small Voice. On the uh, show title screen, there is a spinning wheel, which has nothing to do with this episode. Spoiler. Does it? Oh, okay, there's that one scene later on, but, like, when you see a spinning wheel, you think more than anything else of Aurora. Right. Sleeping Beauty. You also know the Rumpelstiltskin story, right? Weaving gold, yes. Yeah, that's why it's there. It is an odd choice, I think, for the Jiminy Cricket episode. Right. But regardless, that is there. So, uh... This episode was directed by Paul Edwards, who had previously worked on Lost, Pushing Daisies, Heroes, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, and Battlestar Galactica, all of those genre TV shows that were airing on TV around that time. Uh, and it was also written by Jane Espenson, who is the credited writer on 31 Once Upon a Time episodes, so she is around a lot. Um, she also writes some of the more notable stories as as you'll see like she has some of the more gut punch ones oh, which really? i which i like she's a great writer um i looked her up she is uh she had previously wrote for the abc puppet sitcom dinosaurs oh with, uh, yeah with the yep with the dinosaurs and the uh, i'm a baby got to love me that's uh, she Roseanne, worked on the that prehistoric show. yeah exactly like she wrote on that show, and there's, I mean, like we both watched the Matt Bomb video about the uh, the gay the episode. Gay episode. Um, I would actually be really interested to see if she wrote that. Yeah. Hold on, AJ. We're gonna pause this. I I do want to look this up. It was not Jane Espenson. It was Rob Eulen for for that. So Jane Espenson also wrote for Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, the Ellen sitcom. Uh, Buffy, Firefly, Dollhouse, Gilmore Girls, The O.C., Battlestar Galactica, Game of Thrones, Torchwood, Jessica Jones, so many more. She has written on so many shows. It's wild. Long running. Like, she has just been working for a long time. She's incredible. I, I As soon as I like, was looking all this up on her, I was like, I need to follow her on Twitter because she's cool. Yeah. Like, she she's written some really great stuff. Uh, check her out. 
Uh, and then the last thing uh, before we get into the recap of the episode, uh, this this one originally aired on November twenty seventh, two thousand eleven. So this was yeah, this was the post Thanksgiving uh, episode about Jiminy Cricket's lovely family. Yeah, I. Hmm. Yeah, when you think about that in in not in a vacuum, it does kind of put the tone a little different that this aired after. Thanksgiving. Yeah, that that's a context that I missed watching this. I don't think by any means it's a Thanksgiving episode, but it it is not. There is some family drama though. There is. This episode, that's still small voice again, opens up on a puppet show in the fairy tale realm. There's a little ginger pickpocket robbing people in the crowd, climbs into the cart at the back of the performance. And then these two adults come out, and they're giving very Eponine's parents from uh, from Les Mis. Do you want to know what one of my notes was? What? Jiminy Cricket's parents are the Thenardiers. Yes! <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, yeah, I, I'm... We got the reference. Perfect. Uh, yeah. That's why we do this. Also, I did, I did want to point out, uh, yes. so the episode title... Um, is a reference to a line of dialogue in Disney's Pinocchio, where Jiminy Cricket says, what are consciences? I'll tell you, a conscience is that still small voice people won't listen to. Oh, neat. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that at the first thing. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen Disney's Pinocchio, in all honesty. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. At that point, Jiminy was a cricket instead of a boy, so we don't see his parents like we do here. Right. Do you have any information about the actors who play uh, Jiminy's parents? I do, yes. So, uh, Jiminy's dad is played by Harry Groner. Grainer, possibly. Uh, he was born in Bavaria. Uh, and he has been in a ton of Broadway shows. He was Will Parker in Oklahoma. He was Monkus Trap in Cats. George in Sunday in the Park with George. And also King Arthur in Spamalot. Uh, he was the third actor to play that role and was coronated by the Spamalot cast and the previous king that played King Arthur. Uh-huh. Uh, which is just a, a, an ongoing thing that they did, which I, I didn't know about. And I thought that was really great. Uh, in 1998 and 1999, he portrayed Richard Wilkins, who was the evil mayor of Sunnydale in the third, third season of Buffy, uh, which I have not seen, but like, I, I, I know from cultural osmosis that that's a storyline that they have to like go against the mayor. Um, and then also like Jennifer Morrison, who plays Emma Swan. He was also on how I met your mother. He played Ted's stepfather. In that oh, show. And then uh, Jiminy Cricket's mother is played by Carolyn Hennessy. She has been on a ton of daytime soap operas. Uh, she gained international acclaim after landing the role of Diane Miller on General Hospital, for which she earned two Daytime Emmy Award nominations, and then also wrote a book called The Secret Life of Damien Spinelli, which was set in the General Hospital show with the characters that she played with with her uh, contemporaries ah. at the time, which and it was it like debuted at like sixteen on the New York Times bestseller list, which wow. like cool, great for her. In 2016, Hennessy was named an American Humane Association Celebrity Ambassador and spoke before a congressional committee on the organization's new Humane Conservation Initiative. Uh, she is the producer and host of Animal Magnetism, which is a radio program featuring wildlife and domestic animal professionals. The program focuses on welfare and conservation issues and examines both the human-animal bond and the global increase in human-wildlife conflict resulting from human overpopulation growth and climate change. 
And she also has voiced General Leia a few times, first in the Lego Star Wars TV show and also the Star Wars Resistance animated show that was on Cartoon Network. Wow. Yeah. Royalty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I did note, you know, going back to Once Upon a Time now, the uh, the market where young Jiminy is, like, running around and pickpocketing people, mm-hmm. that puppet stage was clearly the real thing that they had on that green screen soundstage. And everything else yep. was there. They made it They made it appear. Yes. You know? <laughs> it, it was that time. Yeah. And it's like, I know it feels like we're always harping on this, and we're always going to mention it, but, like... We know it was of its time. We know they only had the budget they had. It's just funny, I think. The technology was only advanced as it was. It is just that we're looking at this from, you know, to on E22. <laughs> from over 10 years in the future. Yep. Uh, so, Jiminy and uh, the Tenardiers are going through <laughs> their hall, and Jiminy pulls a cricket out of the bag. Maybe I want to be something else. Maybe I don't want to steal. Yeah. Huh. Wonder what that's setting up. Uh, oh, I did notice um, the parents' costumes resembled the like the thieving characters from the Disney movie as well. From? Like the Pinocchio movie. I don't remember. They, they match uh, the costumes for Honest John and Gideon. Oh. Yeah, which I thought was a really, really cool touch. Gotcha. Like, not exactly, but you can see the inspirations that they had. I see. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. And every time they talk, they have, like, a flow, a cadence with each other. They're good. It's so good. Like, there's a reason I, I clock them as, like, the Tenardiers. Yeah. Like, the, like they... I mean, they are so... I mean, like, we'll get to this later, but, like, when they're conning the family... Yeah. They're so... Like, they're fun to watch, even though you know they're awful. Like... You you look at the way that they deliver these lines, and you're like, did they just get that in one take? Like, that's... It's, it's oh, so smooth, so good. They're con artists. They've rehearsed this. Oh, yeah. Back in the modern times, in Archie's office, we see Henry and Archie talking about crickets. Jiminy wasn't always a cricket. There aren't any crickets in Storybrooke. Oh, there are. You just haven't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Very 30-year-old writer and a 10-year-old. Yeah, it's like, the crickets are where you need them to be, Archie. It's like, what are you talking about? You're a child. Right. Archie starts trying to break him of his, quote, imagining. and But, like, didn't he tell Emma strictly, do mm-hmm. not do this? Yeah. Like and he's not like really trying. I think he's. I think he's just trying to like gently push at it. Later, he really tries. Yes, and that's horrible to watch. Yes, it is. But like this, it's it's even happening before. So it's like okay, yeah. And so Archie asks Henry, "Why do you think it's so important that this is real?" To which Henry says, "It just is," which is. A very 10-year-old answer to give. But also is exactly what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really just is. The, the like, dual-mindedness that you have to watch this as, like, yes, he is correct, but at the same time, it's like, this is just the weirdest 
like ghost creepy kid except instead of like goth he's just like fairy tales fairy tales i have to talk about fairy tales <laughs> that's all that is going on in the world all the time so uh, archie is in the scene and he's been around for a bit um but this, but this is the, the first, first time we focus on him. Right. This is his little, you know, gold star episode. So um, he is played by, I, I'm, I apologize if I mispronounce this, Raphael Sparge. Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff, it, like almost every other actor on the show. Um, he started on Sesame Street when he was five years old. When he was five years mm-hmm. old? Uh, you you might recognize his voice. He uh, voiced Caden Alenko from the first three Mass Effect games. Oh my god! Yeah. Here comes a sweet tangent. Here comes a sweet tangent. Here comes a sweet tangent. So, quick detour. Mm-hmm. First time I played through the first Mass Effect, I straight up did not romance anyone because I wanted to specifically romance Caden. And then finally it got to three and I could and I was like... <sighs> So you probably also recognize his voice from something else. He voiced Professor Zay in the second season of Avatar Last Airbender in the Wan Chitong Library episodes in the desert. What was the character name? The Professor. Like, that that ends up staying in the library. Oh, yeah! That's him. Yeah, that's also... I forgot also, the name of that character! I know, I didn't either, I know, but I was like, oh, Avatar. And then I like, had to look it up because I was like... I I think that's the only professor they come across in the show. You're talking the library. The only character that I think about when I think of the library is the owl spirit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But there is the I guy that thought there was the professor. It's yeah. It's I was like, that's cool. as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a bunch of theater stuff as well. Uh, he was on uh, murder in the first on TNT for its three season run. Uh, and outside of the acting field, Raphael is deeply invested in an environmentalist nonprofit organization called Green Wish, which he launched with Ed Bagley Jr. and Rachel Carson Bagley. And it's aimed at donating to local green organizations through do- donations at retailers. So, like, love that. It, there really are a lot of the actors on this show are, like, big environmentalists and, like, animal rights supporters. I think that's neat. And humane. Mm-hmm. Back at the police station, Graham is trying to get Emma to wear stereotypical-looking sheriffy colors and outfits. She says, no, my red leather jacket, because now she's back to red, I guess. Mm-hmm. My red leather jacket is my style. I don't want no police cops. This blood don't run blue. <laughs> <laughs> this blood runs red as an American and my leather jacket. Because she knows people see that badge, they think a cab. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want Cinderella throwing a brick at her. Right. <laughs> so he gives her an actual badge to wear instead of just the outfit, mm-hmm. just to make it official that she's going to live here. I guess she just gave up her entire previous life. Like, I, cool, I guess that works since she presumably was self-employed as a bounty hunter. I think that's, yeah, that's the impression that I got. Like, it was kind of like job to job. Like, it wasn't like she goes into an office every day kind of thing. Right. So, like, she probably does have, or, I mean, given the conceit of the show, has to have the luxury of just picking up her life and going somewhere else. Only three boxes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very much, um, 
she's like, yeah, okay, I'll do this. And then she clips the uh, the badge onto her belt, and she must have clipped it on there really hard because an earthquake happens. Yep. In Maine. In Maine. He gives her the badge, and it shatters the world. <laughs> so we next go to this crater. Regina pulls up and starts pe- telling people to clear away. Sheriff Graham didn't do that, nor did his deputy, because I guess the entire town already knows we don't respect the police. Correct. So Regina walks up to Graham and Emma and says, Miss Swan, this is now official town business. You're oh. free to go. And then Emma says, actually, I work for the town now. Fuck you, Regina. And Regina says, oh, I guess the mayor is always the last to know. I thought we had something special, Graham. (laughs) The betrayal. (laughs) We'll always have last night in my chimney. (laughs) We'll always have last night in Granny's motel. So after that conversation, who pulls up? Archie and Henry. Like, to this site where there was just an explosion and a crater. What (laughs) type of, like, this is child endangerment. You are responsible for him as his therapist. Yeah, is this, like, right downtown? Like, No, it appears to be, like... Did, like, Archie and Henry just drive a really long time to get to to Regina? That's the impression that you get. Uh, Regina wants to collapse and pave over the tunnel. Henry protests, so we know that there's something important down there. Mm Mm-hmm. Along with the piece of glass-ish thing that Regina picks up. Obviously. Like, in the middle of a press conference, (laughs) we just... (laughs) Yeah. looks at this piece of glass and like sticks it in his in her pocket and Henry is the only person that notices the this. only person that comments on it so you know it's gonna be important yeah of course Chekhov's glass <laughs> and so you kind of like oh wait is Archie gonna pickpocket or something spoiler no but like that would have been cool right bring that back in but well, he doesn't remember he was a pickpocket though it's still, you know, but muscle yeah, memory. It would have been really cool. Henry calls uh, Emma and Archie over. We got to have everyone from Operation Cobra. Did you do anything different today, Emma, that made this happen? Pan to her feeling down to the badge. Oh, yeah. Like, did I, did I do this? Did I do that? Regina comes over and confirms Archie's last name. Hopper. Like a cricket. But, He's in trouble. Regina rips into him. Oh, she does. Like, she dresses this full adult man down. (laughs) You work for me. You are an employee and I can fire you. This is my town. You will lose your office, lose your home. I can cut you down to size until you're a tiny, shrunken little creature. And this holds up the black umbrella, will be the only roof over your head. This is such malfeasance. Like, (laughs) oh, wow. It is, it's like, shocker, she's the evil queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do love that in in the kayfabe of Storybrooke, this regular just mayor, this woman of, uh, you know, who's leading this town, just threatens to shrink a man, which... She could do, but is wild to hear about. 
And wild to hear just like threats like that. Like you'd think it would be just as crazy as saying to your all of your aldermen, what the hell are you doing? I've got the biggest dick here. Wow, yeah, it would be wild if local politics ever happened like that. Right? But it's not like we live in a in in a magical fairy tale land. We live in a place called Chicago where no government politician would ever say something like that. Never. Never, not in a million years. Back in the fairy tale realm, little Jiminy is grown up into a creepy looking older guy. Yeah, this is this is the thing where it's like they use the same actor and he's very good. As uh, Archie and and as like the you know the voice of conscience, he's a great voice actor and everything. Mm. He doesn't look like a convincing young adult, right? Like, it it is. It, there's a little bit of it's like okay, you have to suspend some disbelief. Maybe if they kept a cap on him. Yeah, like, it, it is. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. It's like this full like I I mean I would assume he was probably like at least thirty five when he was yeah. filming this, and like. He's but, like, like oh, his parents I, don't look that much older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've touched on It's makeup. Past. You can only do so much. We get it. And but still, also, just kind of, like, watching and <laughs> being like, huh. Okay. Yeah, it, it is that. I mean, we've touched. Age is a questionable thing in this show, and don't think too much about it. Look, time's stopped. Ashley's been pregnant for 28 years. Don't think about how this was before all of that, though. (laughs) Time was not messed with yet, but don't think about it. Jiminy says to his parents, we make enough on the ticket sales. Do we have to steal, too? And then Then they they again put on this great performance to him. We steal from them. They steal from someone else. It's an economy, and we are a vital part. And I made that exact same quote line and said, oof, Oof. because... (laughs) Too real. I mean, who could have thought that they weren't already in America? Right. (laughs) But, um, Jiminy wants to quit. His parents start guilting him to stay. It's my hip. It's my liver. I've got lumps in strange places. I've got burning sensations. That is TMI, madam. (laughs) Too much information. He lives with them in a little trailer. Three full adults in this little tiny trailer that he has to unpack to, that also has their little puppet stage in it too. Ma'am, this is an Applebee's. <laughs> Over Gina's favorite restaurant. <laughs> Rain closes the show. A small child wanders up and says, wow, you must love your job. Wait, no, you don't? Why? 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 And then he uh, asks why he doesn't do something else. This is just who I am. And so we get the theme of the episode. Mm-hmm. And this little kid's, dude, quit your job. Yeah. <laughs> me to all of my friends all the time. You hate your job, quit your job. Me to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. I also had to have that conversation with myself a while Not ago. Not currently, but like previously same. I had absolutely said, why am I here? The, uh, Jiminy says, this is just who I am. The kid gives a little bit of Henry vibes, talking like a 30-year-old, being like, I just came to listen to the crickets. Mm, yeah. The other theme of the episode is yeah. being true to yourself and crickets. Mm-hmm. They'll appear when you're truthful to yourself. <laughs> uh, the kid gives Jiminy his umbrella and leaves. Jiminy can't fucking believe that someone be, like, nice to him. 
but I also mean, given like, his parents, that tracks. I guess that sucks. But he, also, his life like, really sucks. How is this umbrella gonna help him when he's already soaked through to the bone? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, sure, but you know. Anyway, also, yeah. uh, it's worth pointing out. So the glasses that adult Jiminy wears in the Enchanted Forest. Those are real antique glasses that were over 100 years old. Oh. Which, that's cool. They just let them get soaked. Yep. Cool. Work. Back in Archie's office, Marco comes in and reminds Archie that they were going to get lunch. But Archie scheduled Henry, who always has to come in and make a conversation awkward. <laughs> Marco starts to walk away sadly. And uh, so this is the first time that we really get to see much of Marco slash Geppetto. We obviously know is Geppetto. Um, so Geppetto is played by Tony Amendola. Amendola is the voice actor for Cadgar, who's one of the central characters in World of Warcraft. Huh. And in 2019, he also voiced the Jedi researcher Eno Cordova in the video game Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Out of curiosity, did the, were there dates for when he played Cadgar's voice? Because there were different times. Uh, oh that, no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't have. I didn't see notes or a specific date for those. Gotcha. Um, so Raphael Sparge and Tony Amendola were in theater performances together in the Antaeus Company in L.A. and have remained friends since. So they knew each other before the show, which I thought was cool. Um, and he also played the, and I do not know Stargate at all, the Jaffa Master Bratak in Stargate SG-1, and also the Catholic priest Father Perez in the 2014 horror film Annabelle, a role he reprised for the 2019 film The Curse of La Llorona. He also played Salman Rushdie on Seinfeld in Mm. a few episodes. Neat. Henry then comments that Marco is Geppetto after he walks out and starts showing that he's going to go to the crater and tunnel with flashlights and candy bars. <laughs> right. What in the little rascals does he think he's going to do? How he's long little, does he think this is going to take? He's a little rascal with no rascals. But he's 30. The Goonies then. <laughs> Archie gets frustrated after the conversation with Regina and tells Henry that it's all a delusion. Do you know what a delusion is? I think so. Yeah, Archie folds here like a piece of origami. And he just goes off like Regina went off on him. It is... This legitimately hurt me to watch. It was, yeah. It's like, dude, you're his therapist. What's wrong with you? Right? Like, you get how it's it's it has to go for the story for the show. But like, if you sit back and think of this relationship that they're they're having, it's like, uh, yo, dude. Also, he says to Henry, "We'll have to lock you away." Excuse me, you don't say that to a kid. He ends the conversation with, this nonsense must end. And Henry just, like, stares, gives nooch, and gets up and walks out. It was That was brutal. Honestly, like, if I could had the self-control to walk out of situations yeah. like that, props to you, 30-year-old man in a 10-year-old body. <laughs> oh, boy. And Archie doesn't even, like, call out, doesn't get up to try to stop him. Yeah, he just, like, does, I don't know if he does it now or in the next scene, but, like, does he, he has, like, a drink or something. He's, like, Later on. Yeah. Yeah. But if he's going to let Henry go, couldn't he, like, run after Marco and still go get lunch? 
See, he just yelled at a child. I don't think that sits well with him, which it shouldn't. Well, of course not. No lunch <laughs> counter seat is going to be comfortable. <laughs> I mean, the granny designer looks delightful. Yes, the atmosphere is comfortable. <laughs> yeah, the seats are straight out of AliExpress. <laughs> At the hospital, Mary and David are playing Hangman. This is cute. It is. It is. And so you see it. There's A's, R's, and blanks. I thought this was all going to be one word, but we find out that uh, she almost got hanged on her own name, Mary Margaret. (laughs) Yeah. It's cute. These two actors, it it is like undeniable the chemistry they have together. Yeah, absolutely. so cool. Uh, I was going to ask, when did they start dating? They met on the show and started dating during the show. So, like, this oh, was when... Oh, man. It's really like, cool, they right? really do have something good. Yeah. The, like... It, it, I mean, to this day, like, it's... I, I'm just, like, blown away. And it, it really just makes the show all the better for that. Yeah, you can tell that the flirting he's doing is not just in character. 100%. Yeah. But Catherine then walks in, Mm -hmm. and Mary is obviously nervous and stammers her way out, being incredibly obvious. Yeah. She could not be less subtle about it, and David stares at her, because he loves it. We weren't flirting. I I have to go. I have a biology class to teach to second graders. (laughs) Catherine brings out some pictures to help David remember things, like the picture of their dog, Ajax. Who names their dog Ajax? I don't know. Maybe it's a clue to who Catherine is. <gasps> Back at Mary's place, Mary is venting to Emma. It would be so much easier if Catherine were horrible, but she's so nice. Mary, what exactly would be easier? Um, um, oh shit, oh god, 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 oh what is wrong with you? Which is the correct reaction. Absolutely. You told me not to take this away from him, that it would devastate him. But also, Emma, is this your place? Wouldn't it be more appropriate if Mary went? She's kind of his teacher. Also his grandmother. Also his grandmother, but she doesn't know that. Right. It's messy. It is. I can relate. immediately clocks that it's Regina forcing this to happen. Speaking of Regina, she calls very conveniently at the very right time. Right. Where's Henry? Emma dropped him off at Regina's office over an hour ago. Well, he's not there. I don't know where he is. Pan to Archie. I do. Yeah, that, like, how convenient that she happens to be exactly at the place where the therapist knows where he'll be, which Mm -hmm. plot on a show. We gotta get this going. It's only an hour show. <laughs> so Henry's obviously going to the tunnel in the crater. Mm-hmm. Back at the fairy tale realm, some castle tower spinning yarn into gold thread, it's Rumpelstiltskin. Jiminy brings some stuff in along with a list of the names they were stolen from, and Rumpelstiltskin pays for them with golden thread. 
also pays very close attention to all the names of the people. Mm-hmm. Rumpelstiltskin also offers a tincture to feed to his parents or use on his parents, and they'll change into something else. Rumpelstiltskin will just appear to collect them as his fee in exchange for this tincture. Not nearly as open-ended as any of the other deals that we've seen Rumpelstiltskin make. Oh, yeah, but you know he always has some something going on in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. About three different... Uh, yeah, like three layers deep of double-crossing, doing some ulterior motive stuff over here. Like, he's always got... He has so many irons in the fire, he doesn't have any extra burners on the stove. Yeah, it seems like there's not even uh, any kind of thread to them. He's just throwing all this shit against the wall to make sure that something's going to happen. Oh yeah. No, he is the ultimate doomsday prepper. Back in modern times, Archie goes in towards the, the tunnel. Emma is just kind of standing at the table, looking out away from it. I mean, my dude, Archie said that he went there looking to go inside. Do you not believe him? Right. It's but like he's whatever. clearly in there. The dog appears, and they officially name the dog Pongo. No, uh, Pongo was named in the first episode. Really? Yep, was named in the pilot uh, when when uh, Archie is walking Pongo. Oh. He says, come on, Pongo, let's go. I don't remember that. It's, it's very throwaway, so like... Gotcha. No worries. Inside the tunnel, Henry's looking around with a flashlight and finds something hidden. Kind of like the thing that Regina found, but bigger... The camera shakes, tunnel collapses. Archie goes inside, gets inside just as the entrance collapses. Mm -hmm. Henry comes up and finds him and then runs away saying, you'll see, you'll see, you don't believe me still. Archie still doesn't even try to grab or chase after him with any sort of urgency until like 10 seconds later. (laughs) Like, are, are you actually concerned, dude? My dude. He's probably just a little shocked that he just is, is now in a collapsing mineshaft. Maybe. Back in fairy tale times, Jiminy wants not to steal from people. Him and the Tenardiers came upon this house and they're like, Yeah, we gotta do this. And he's like, Do we have to? We don't need the money. And so they convince him to do it. So they knock on the door and an innocent, young, handsome couple opens the door. And they invite themselves in to share dinner, stay the night, share their hearth, etc. And they mention a plague. The plague? Well, a plague. (laughs) We are immune. We have elf potion. Or we have elf tonic. Mm -hmm. Elf tonic. Made by elves from elves. Four out of five court physicians recommended. Uh, I I thought that was so dumb and so, like, well-written. Especially because the fifth one died before he could try it. Yeah, that, it was a very, like, smooth con man. Like, it worked so well. And again, yeah, they they the flow that they have, immediate, like, it's almost Gilmore Girls level of fast pace. Oh, absolutely. Like, one after the other after the other, but, like, not as jarring as that rate of conversation. Right. It, it feels, we call them the Tenardiers because, like, that's how it feels. Mm-hmm. They clean out the place in all of their money in exchange for the elf tonic. Take literally everything. Literally everything. 
the uh, they get outside and Jiminy tries to use his uh, tincture on his parents, but it's just rainwater, which so- just happens to look exactly the same as the other bottle. Which, like, I at first I was like, wait, how did the parents get the Rumpelstiltskin bottle? And then it was like, oh, there was a double cross. Yep. His father switched it with uh, with the tincture that Jiminy had. So the innocent couple got the tincture and Jiminy just used rainwater on his parents. So he runs back inside to find that they are the creepy dolls from the pawn shop. Yeah, I I didn't think too much about that when you mentioned it last episode. Mm-hmm. But I came back and I was like, wow, you clocked that. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, it horrifying dolls. Yeah, like, yeah. Just, I mean, you mentioned Annabelle earlier. It gives very Annabelle vibes. Very that. So after Jiminy comes inside, his parents come inside and start lording it over him, being like, Oh, what cute little puppets. Then the same little boy that gave Jiminy the oh. umbrella in the rain comes in, recognizes the puppets as his, as his parents, and starts going off on Jiminy and not the creepy older couple that's gloating over it. See, the kid has no frame of reference for these other two adults. But like I this but he is specifically said, what did you do to them? <laughs> like I would have turned you'd think you would have turned to all three of them. And but I guess just Jiminy because he's met him before. Yeah, it is th- this is like you want to get stabbed in the in the belly and have it twisted around. This mm-hmm. this this scene, it's hard to watch. It is very Oof. Yeah, big, big oof. Back in uh, Storybrooke, in the mine, Archie finds Henry, who sees something shiny down a a hole. Archie is frightened for them. Because you don't believe me? No, it's because we're trapped and there's no way out. It's like a metaphor for Jiminy's life. Oh my gosh. But Henry finally gets it and realizes, I've been a precocious little shit. Yep, just a little bit. Outside the tunnel, they're moving stones individually, one by one, <laughs> in a chain, passing them along. The least efficient way to do this. See, the, I will go to bat on this one, because I think it's because... And they never say this, but I think it's because they don't want the tunnel to collapse more. Well, they don't succeed with that. It starts to collapse more. Right, yeah. I think they're just trying to be like as careful as possible, because they don't, they, like, they don't know what's going on down there. Well, it does start to collapse more. Why is Ruby here, by the way? She's just here. She's just yeah, here. It, I, I have a note about that. Like, she just, <laughs> she is there to help. She watches Pongo, and then she sits in the crane truck and does she the just, crane. Yeah. <laughs> Regina starts to freak out, and Emma steps up and says, you know why he went there in the first place, don't you? Because you made him feel like he has something to prove. And Regina says, and who's been encouraging him? Don't put this on me. Sure, lecture me until his oxygen runs out. And Regina is just acting the hell out of this. Right. She is a queen. She is, um, she is like looking at herself in the mirror as both Mona Lisa, uh, from Parks and Rec and Henry Winkler from Parks and Rec. You've done nothing wrong. I love you. (laughs) That's her looking in the mirror. Pongo barks and uh, Archie and Henry hear that and gives them a direction to go. Regina and Emma call a truce and want something big to punch the ground. Marco suggests explosives. Archie finds an elevator shaft which gets shaken when the explosions are blown. Did they really just have these explosions on hand? 
Because, like, that was really, really fast. I th- I think some time must have passed. Well, either way, when those explosions go off, yeah, people are quick. way too close. <laughs> very, very close. And when, even for a controlled explosion, it's they're way too close. Yeah. But as soon as they do go off, Emma bolts into the smoke where you cannot see anything. She fully <laughs> disappears from camera. She needs to prove that she loves Henry. Good job. <laughs> I guess it didn't open. And uh, Sheriff Graham says, then what did it do? Because it must have done something instead of being ineffective. So it shook the elevator that they were in, and now they can't get out the way that they were hoping. Oops. Now we cut to the hospital. David needs some physical therapy help. If only there were a volunteer nearby who would want to go on a walk with him. On a nice walk. Because he needs an escort. Don't call her that. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) We support sex workers here at this podcast. Sex work is real work. Um, Hey Mary, do you know any volunteers that want to spend some time with me? Oh my god. We also find out David lied. He did not remember Ajax. Yeah, the the big he's just been lying to Catherine and saying he remembers things. Like, dude, it's not it's a weird line for you to be walking. But Bob, there is one thing that feels real. Do you know what that is? His actual wife. <laughs> one thing does feel real. You. You're the only thing in this whole place that feels right. And again, you're like Oh boy. Oh boy. Should I be watching this? Like, should they be in a room? Because it, it feels. It, you're waving, you're fanning yourself because that's, <laughs> that's the right reaction. They are about to kiss, and Catherine shows up with cranberry muffins. Who else? Who else but the supposed other woman? Right? And so, as Mary Margaret walks away, David says, I'll see you tomorrow. And she just smiles. Back to the crater. Emma lets Pongo out of the fire truck to try to help find them, because if only we knew exactly where they were, we could tunnel down. Pongo finds something. He finds something. Using a dog to do a dog's digging. Love it. And then they start digging with their hands. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, work. I mean, I guess it works out in the end because they only go for two seconds before yeah, they it's, find... It's like the most lightly covered grate. Great. Yeah, they, they find the cover for the grate, they pull it off, Great. and they realize it is an access tunnel. Inside that tunnel, Henry and Archie start to have a heart-to-heart, and they apologize to each other. Mm-hmm. Archie blames all, the Regina for all of this without directly blaming her because he's very passive-aggressive, and boy, do I felt seen by that. <laughs> Archie comments that it's so natural for Henry to be free. It's <gasps> almost like that's the theme of the episode. Ta-da! Archie comments, I'm not the man I want to be. The shaft grate comes off. Graham wants to go down the shaft to rescue them. Emma says, no, it's me. Regina says, no, it's me. He's my son. Emma says, he's my son too. My dude, you gave that up. This is such a not good thing for you to say. At the same time, though, I love how it's like, Regina, like, what are you going to do? Like, like, 
if anyone, like, being completely objective, like, not knowing any of the backstory, I would say Emma is way more prepared for this than, like, and, and Emma She even does says, look like she is more prepared to go down there. And, and but Emma also, says, like, Sheriff Graham looks like he's even more better prepared to go down there. I think... Except for the vest. Yeah, well, I think he's, it's like he's too big compared to Emma, you know? Like, I guess. Because it, it's like you're trying to squeeze into this little, like, mine shaft. And doesn't Emma say it's like, you've been sitting behind a desk for 28 years or something like Did that? Did she just call her fat? I don't know. That's not what the implication <laughs> was. It was like, you can't do this. Let me do this. I'm doing it. And then she, like, goes and gets the harness on. <laughs> yeah, Emma does look stronger. And, and Regina gives in and lets her do it. Just bring him back to me. Mm-hmm. Back down there, Archie says Henry's helped him remember the person he wants to be. Emma comes down from above like some sort of angel and grabs Henry. The elevator shakes and falls. <gasps> but Archie is safe. He's holding on by holding his umbrella, umbrella, which is hooked into a carabiner. Yeah, that Emma had. It's the one on Emma's waist? Because that's not exactly clear. Yeah, it, it, it's. I, I think it's a carabiner that's on the harness. Okay. Yeah, it. I'm, I'm fairly sure. Either way, that is a strong carabiner. That is a strong umbrella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, they make them good quality. Everyone gets pulled out of the hole, and I guess Ruby is there because Billy is there? Yeah, y- you know... Also, wait, Billy? Billy, the tow truck guy that almost dropped her car before Ashley took was it. Was that the same guy? Yeah, that I was the same guy. That. That's really cool. Also, did you know um, the fire truck that they used during the scenes that at, that's at the crater? Mm-hmm. That was an actual like restored vintage fire truck that the town had that oh, they let use. I I thought it was really cool. That is. After they get out of there, Archie pulls Regina over and he says that he's going to go back to treating Henry the way that he originally was going to. Ooh, like this the is therapist so decides that he should be treated. Or what? You'll do your worst? Because I always do my best. And I pause right there because I'm like, my dude, you are a therapist. You should be threatening to call CPA CPS. on her. Being and then he does. <laughs> yes, immediately after he does. But I'm typing out this thing to myself being like, you should be threatening to call CPA. CPA as an accountant. Because you are a therapist ostensibly a licensed one because otherwise you wouldn't be doing this. Right. It goes to reason. But like you should be saying things like treatment doesn't happen on a schedule on a timetable. Mm-hmm. You need to be telling and explaining this to her. Damn the fact that she's the mayor. Right. Yeah. So again, she, what, what is, how does he phrase it to her when he like says, uh, you should look up what, like, who the judges usually side with in cases like these. He threatens saying that Regina might find herself in a custody battle soon. A custody battle? Excuse me, a custody battle with who? Emma? The woman who signed away her rights to Henry? Well, I mean, look at the look at the stuff that Regina is pulling, though. But still. <laughs> right, no. Like, the implication is Emma, but legally there's no grounds. If anything, the state would take Henry. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> Don't, it, it does. It, it's an empty threat, but it's a really cool empty threat. Anyway, the person who the law would side with is anyone basically that the therapist points to. Right. Because they call experts. 
Cut back to fairy tale. Jiminy is standing alone in the night against a fence, and he wishes upon a star. The blue fairy comes down, and Jiminy apparently is wishing that she would bring back the boy's parents. She can't do that, but she turns Jiminy into a cricket Mm -hmm. so that he can help that boy. That boy's name? Albert Einstein. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) (laughs) That boy is Geppetto. And so that's how the great friendship between Jiminy Cricket and Geppetto happens. I really liked that twist. Yes, that that, was a lot of fun. I mean, the twist in general of that young boy being Geppetto was brutal and, like, even on a rewatch, like, I forgot that that had happened. Oh, yeah? And, it, like, it hit. It was, like, whew. But then, like, the fact that, like, that's why Jiminy is around Geppetto, I thought that was really great. Yes. Uh, crickets start chirping in the modern time, and Henry says, things are changing. He points it out, and everyone's like, huh, I guess there are crickets. So the, the scene where the crickets are heard in Storybook for the first time, mm-hmm. it was originally supposed to be a visual effect with, like, the crickets, like, jumping up. Oh. I'm really happy they didn't do that. Yeah, that would be, especially with the CGI, that would be awkward. Yeah, I like, you just need the sound effect. And it, it, it was good. Yeah. If they had had, like, jumping crickets, I think that would have looked super awkward. Yeah. And I, I think probably that's why they ultimately didn't do it. Now that it's the end of the episode, we need to go through a flash of a couple scenes really quickly oh, just yeah, to set things up for the future. Mm-hmm. So the first one, we see a shot of Mr. Gold's shop panning as he's leaving, and we see the puppets there again. Those horrifying puppets. Mm-hmm. Cut to the hospital. Mary puts a letter in a mailbox. It is a letter of resignation from her volunteer work because this is not her full-time job. She's a teacher. Everyone is happy back at the mineshaft. At the pit. At the pit. (laughs) Regina drops the glass thing down the mineshaft. And it lands, shatters, and we find out that it's actually a piece from Snow White's glass coffin. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that on my first watch, so I needed to, like, rewind. Because I I think it was just, like, really dark, so I didn't get a good view of Mm. it. But then I was like, oh. Like... I don't think there's a better way that they could have had to like get that across, or maybe I'm j- I just completely missed it. But like on a second, like on a rewatch, I was like, okay, I know what that is. Yeah, like as they were showing the individual pieces earlier in the episode, I thought that maybe it was parts of the orb that contained the curse, mm. which still would have been like I suppose thematically fitting based on what I right. know up till this point, but like. Yeah, it's, it's neat to see that that is there. It's not just the people that have come through, but also stuff like this. And it's weird that, like, some uh, so big an object comes through to the realm when, like, she, by this point, by the point the curse hit, she hadn't been in that, that coffin for quite some time. Mm-hmm. At the very least, nine months. Goes to reason that there might be some more that we'll be seeing of that. It might be an important thing. Chekhov's glass coffin. Also, here's another fun jumping off point for the future. If the glass coffin came through, I wonder what other larger things from the Enchanted Forest could have come along. Captain Hook's ship. Who knows? Anyway, the that is the last scene of the episode. The next episode is called The Shepherd. Shepherd. Yeah, what... 
What do you think? I, we talked a little bit off mic about this. G- give me a guess. I've <laughs> got that. That name gives me nothing. Like I've been pretty good about my guesses for the next episode based on the the names. Generally, you have been. You've been on it. But this gives me absolutely nothing. Like, is it someone poor getting raised to a higher station? Is it one of the fairy tale mentors getting some time to shine? Or is this more about the blue fairy? Like. I, I cannot think of what else it could be unless, like, wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Is it about the big bad wolf? Like, that's literally the only other thing besides... I, I'm just I'm just sitting here stroking my beard ominously. I will tell you, one of the things you said was correct. Oh, man. Okay. And that's all I got from this episode, because, like, I... That name isn't... That, Tells, yeah, the tells me nothing. Yeah, it. Oh no, no! I know what it is. Hmm. This is that crossover with Firefly episode. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know Firefly at all. So, <laughs> uh, there, there is a character uh, named Book Booker. He is a shepherd. Shepherd. Which is kind of like a wandering priest in that universe. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've seen, like, one or two episodes, so I, I vaguely... I know the character. Yes. It's Yeah, you know what? You called it. It's him. Yes! This is the Once Upon a Time Firefly crossover that everyone's been waiting for. I knew it! Yeah! Uh... Thank you for staying with us. Uh, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you very much, our friend AJ, for editing our show. Say hi, AJ. Hi. The title song that we use is World of Magic by Scott Buckley. You can find this song and more music at his website, which is linked in the description. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NotEvenOncePod. Links are in the bio. You can follow me personally on Twitter at the kid ain't right. You can follow me on Twitter at recycled sarcasm. And you can email us at notevenonespod at gmail.com if you want to talk more about the show, give us any talking points for future episodes, or just chat. Now enjoy your happy ending. AJ, I swear you cannot put that in there. Oh my god, kind of like an outtake afterwards. I love it. (sighs) He's gonna do it. He will. Correct. Especially now that we said it. That is correct.